1: Um, we 've been in a series on the Gospel how the Gospel changes everything Today I want to focus focus on loving our city and the text for this is found in Jeremiah chapter twenty nine verses four through seven and then eleven through fourteen and the background for it was is this <clears throat> that the people of God found themselves as exiles in Babylon, strange land, um, a place that was not home, different language, uh, they were no longer the insiders, they no longer were the ones that mattered and God had a word for them as God has a word for us today, it came through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah. And I want to share this with you about loving our city, how the gospel changes everything. Before we do, we're going to take a trip back memory lane. How many remember Paul Harvey? Let me see your hand. We're going to hear a few minutes from Paul Harvey. And this was recorded in 1965. And see if what he has to say, uh, how much of this that you have seen and you've experienced and he starts out with this, if I was the devil and I wanted to do such and such, this is what I would do. And so if we can roll that and this, take a listen to this most interesting piece from Paul Harvey.
0: If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, The. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in... with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Wow.
1: 1965. Well, the question is what will we do as God's people? We are living in Babylon. Will we settle or will we saddle? I want to talk with you today about loving our city. And the city, as defined in God's Word, is at that time what the Hebrew meant. any any collection of people who had some type of wall or fortification around it to protect themselves, and it had, it did not have to do with the size of a city, but the relative characteristics of a city, and that people coalesced coalesced around an idea or a place or commerce, and they had common interests. And today, today, the city, we don't have walls, but we have Police enforcement, can someone say, thank God for that. We have the laws of the land that protect who we are. We have certain guarantees, etc. And so, God commanded the cities to be built to be places of service and not selfishness, to be places to establish justice and safety, collaboration, centers of population, workplace. It can be your neighborhood, it can be your school, it can be Aberdeen Proving Ground, wherever you're employed. Um, It's that area that you spend your life in that is significant and it coalesces around some common goals. That's the city. In God's plan, uh, God established cities and we are to be part of a city. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 5 that we are called to be a city on the hill that people could see our good works, and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And in fact, if, if you've ever thought that God's idea of paradise is that one day when the end of all things has come, as we know it, and that paradise or peace will be on this earth, if you've ever thought that that picture is God dwelling in Eden with two people in some rural place, you're wrong, because what the book of Revelation talks about is this city built for a square called the new jerusalem that is 1500 miles by 1500 miles by 1500 miles and god has a heart for city he has a heart for people when they live and coalesce around ideas the bible tells us this that paul preached in the major cities to establish the gospel jonah was called to a city to preach in fact, Jonah chapter four verses ten and eleven, after revival had broken out in Nineveh, who was the that was the major city of Assyria. Assyria was the mortal enemy of Israel, that kept attacking them. And after revival broke out, and, and they everyone every inhabitant was in fasting and ash cloth, cloth uh, uh, looking to God and crying out to God. When Jonah had finished his task, he sat up on a hill and God caused the gourd plant to come up uh, to shield him from the sun and overnight the worm came and destroyed the gourd plant and Jonah sit there and complain bitterly to God and the book of Jonah ends with this question from God, basically how can you look at a city with so many people bearing the image of God and not have compassion on them? And that question is for you and for me. How can we live in a neighborhood, go to school, be in a workplace, be part of Harford County or part of the greater Baltimore metro region where so many people are created in the image of God and we're called to have compassion on them. And I want to share that with you today. Christians are resident exiles. We are called to embrace our city. Our good deeds should be visible to the residents. 1 Peter 2 tells us this, that we are called to, even in the middle of a generation that does not love God, we're called to live for Him in such a way that they would glorify God. I had a real uh, neat experience this past week. I went into planning and zoning, and several of you know that, a lot of you know that over our church sign, and just because the nature of it was something new, it's Man, it's taken like a year and a half to jump through all the hoops. And they finally said yes. And, and I, I just have to say that, man, every time I went into planning and zoning, the first few times it's like, oh, my goodness, like, what, what next? Well, we went to the Board of, uh, of Appeals hearing. They passed it unanimously. I went back to pick up the presentation. And, and what I'm about to tell you, I'm convinced happened because as a church, we followed the rules of the city. We weren't there to do an end around, to be snarky, to try to avoid anything. Yet, yeah, it cost a little bit more, and it slowed us down some. But the, but the wheels of God grind slow, but they also grind fine. Let me just uh, encourage us with that. And so, the one of them there was two. There was a, an individual was the main person that was at the board of appeals, and we had sort of worked with him up until that point, and. And they had inspected our property. They're the ones that said we needed building permits for our shed that I didn't even, I had no idea. That was 20 years ago when they were brought in. But we did that, and this individual came out, Eric, and what a, he's a great gentleman. He came out, and I used to have to set up appointments to meet. He heard my voice in the hall, and he came out of his office and said, Pastor Drost, how are you? It's so good to see you. And then the head of the planning and zoning, that that's, that's more difficult to get an appointment with. You always work through other people. Uh, we are out there and I was uh, dealing with asking somebody something and he came out and shook my hand. He said, how are you doing? It's so good to see you. No appointment necessary, no nothing. I'm convinced it's because we did what I believe the Lord calls us to do. So we are called We are called by the Lord to love our cities and to pray for our cities. There's four things I want to share with you this morning. If you'd direct your attention with me to uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, and we're going to read verses 4 through 7 to begin with. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, And I think it's really important that God is the one who claims responsibility for sending his people into exile. It was a result of their not following God, of their not being the voice of God. He sent them in the exile and he used the Babylonians. And he went on to say, build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there. And do not decrease. It's really important. Do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you shall have welfare. So the first thing in your notes this morning is this, welcome to Babylon, your new home. It's like uh, a lot of the, a lot of our uh, college students went back this week and last week to college and they went into college dorms where they've never been before. When I went to Southeastern University back in the mid-70s, they put me in a place called the leper colony. And I'm telling you, I was not used to that. I was from the north and we didn't need air conditioning because it was cool enough. But I can guarantee you, and when it comes to the last week of August in Lakeland, Florida, you need air conditioning, and there's no air conditioning. And I walked into that metal building, and I sat on that army, like an army cot. It was bare, and I was the first one there, and I was a Yankee, and my accent was different, and the sweat was pouring off my nose, and I sat there, and it was just drip, 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 drip. And I said, oh God, I thought you called me to the ministry, you know. And I went in and I said, I think you've made a mistake. I I'm not a I I don't know who you think I are I am, but and they said, Oh yeah, you you don't have to be there. So they put me up <laughs> they put me up on the second floor where it's even hotter. And uh Welcome to Southeastern. This is your new home. I am proud to say now they have one of the finest campuses in all the assemblies of God and it's it's Totally air conditioned. I've been back a few times, but welcome to Babylon. This is your new home. Babylon is our culture, where we no longer control the narrative, and it no longer feels like home. We're no longer the insider. In fact, I read something that almost—I read something in the e-just just a couple of weeks ago in the wake in the wake of Charlottesville, the editorial page, it was pointed out to me. And the editorial page said this, white supremacists hate everyone except white Christians. And I, I looked at that, I was astounded that a paper owned by a major uh, corporation that's, whose parents' company is The Sun would print such a thing that equated us with violence and bigotry and and hatefulness and meanness. When if anyone knew anything about the teachings of Jesus Christ, He's the one who came to bring peace to this world. And there's no place in God's kingdom for bigotry and racism at all. But that's the narrative that's out there. Just recently, Joel Osteen of Lakewood Church And while Joel Osteen and myself don't agree theologically on everything, I do appreciate that he preaches the gospel, and there are over 50,000 first-time salvations every year through his ministry in church and in his speaking engagements. He always ends his message with a call for salvation. Can someone say praise God? And it came out, he had a Twitter, uh, just tweeted out this that, uh, basically, prayers to the victims, and uh, the church was closed last Sunday, and it was jumped on. How can you, with all that money, not do this, not do that? They had no idea what they were saying. And the good news is, local pastors and uh, people like Max Lucado, they have earthed, unearthed the real story that the floodgates were about to open right behind the church, and that so many—they have tens of thousands of their membership were under the floodwaters in Houston, could not get to church, and they closed closed the church service down that day. But let me tell you, as a pastor, boy, I picked up on something really quick that everyone overlooked. When a pastor closes church on Sunday, it's really dire, I can tell you that. And it's not just for spiritual reasons, I can also tell you that. But that's the narrative that's out there. Thank God the real story has begun to emerge. But we have two choices in Babylon. We can hang our harps up in the willow trees and let our surrounding suffocate our witness. That's what the people of God did. Psalm 137, they said, Oh, how we've hung our harps up in the willow tree. We've sat down on the banks of the river because how can we sing the song of the Lord in a strange land? I want to remind us this morning that the song of the redeemed was meant to be an overcoming victorious song that is far greater than the culture that we find ourselves immersed in. We can sit down on the banks of the river and we can let our surroundings steal our joy because someone has moved our cheese and we can criticize. Tim Keller says, our criticism of the culture has no power to persuade unless it is based first on something that we can affirm in the beliefs and the values of the city. I love uh, uh, my, yesterday, my dad's uh, birthday. He celebrated his 87th birthday, and a few weeks ago, my mom celebrated her 87th. And uh, my goodness, they have more friends than you can shake a stick at. I mean, they're like social butterflies, and they've served God well. And it's really interesting that just the ad, you know the thanks and all this is coming in. And one of them was one of the one of their friends was Carlene Shuttlesworth, and uh, my dad uh, roomed with Mickey Shuttlesworth, her husband, uh, before they were married. When he went to Zion Bible Institute, they were roommates together. And but Carlene said. Congratulations, Ernie and Louise. And so I'm just, Carleen Shuttlesworth, I haven't heard that name since I've been a kid. So I I went stalking on Facebook, you know, went over to her page. and, And I love the sayings of some of the older people. And this is what she said. She said, a bad attitude, a negative attitude, a critical spirit is like a flat tire. You can't move forward until you change it. Church, we can't move forward if we have a critical spirit about everything going on. If we're insisting on fair treatment, whining and being depressed, God calls us to change our attitude like a flat tire and get on with the business of the King. Is there an amen in the house? The second thing we can do rather than we have two choices. One, we can hang our harps in the willow trees. or Number two, we can follow God's instructions to love our city, pray for our city, and serve our city. Now is not the time to be depressed. Now is not the time that we're whining for fair treatment or for a way of escape. But we should be looking for ways to serve and bless our cities as the people of God. In fact, Tim Keller says this, Dr. Timothy Keller, loving and serving the city strengthens the hands of the people of God who bear the message of the gospel. And Jesus said in John chapter four verses thirty six through thirty eight somewhere in there, when the disciples came to him and, and they, they, they said, "Well, where's the harvest?" he said, "Don't say, don't say, where's the harvest? Lift up your eyes and see that the harvest fields are ripe and ripe for harvest and he said My strength, my meat is to do the work of the Father and to accomplish His will. And God calls you and me, this present generation that we live in, to do the work of the Father and to accomplish His will. That's where the strength of the church is. Praise God. The second thing is this, that the second main thing I want to share with you from God's Word is find new life. And God said, do not decrease. Would you repeat with me, do not decrease. Let's do it. Do not decrease. No folding the tent. No throwing up the white flag. No singing, hold the fort. How many remember that song? Hold the fort for I am coming. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? I didn't never heard Jesus saying to the church, hold the fort for I am coming. No, we serve the lion of the tribe of Judah. We serve the captain of our salvation. He knows the way through the wilderness. The, the, the warriors are strong. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And we move forward, praise His name. Amen. No, hold the fort stuff. God's will is to redeem people. And it does not change with the circumstances. In fact, Paul the Apostle said that the greater the sin abounds, the grace of God abounds even more. The city is a place for multiplication. Take wives and have children. God says, do not decrease. We are God's new humanity in the city. New humanity. God's Word says, if any man be in Christ, behold, he is a new creature, new creation. Behold, all things have passed away and all things become new. It affects our heart. It affects our outlook. It affects what we do, how we do it, and where our hearts are set and where we're headed and what we're looking for. This new humanity called the Kingdom of God. We multiply through evangelism and discipling and compassion and Good deeds. That's what he calls us to do. In your notes, he has new life for you and the church, wherever we are. Don't decrease, but multiply. Accept responsibility to be the church, a church without walls. This is uh, this idea of a church without walls. I've um, really, really starting to. Get down in here. We're getting ready ready to build. We're getting ready to build because we believe this is what God would have us to do to be a ministry center to go. In the Old Testament, God's people um, were to live out and bear out the witness and live righteously before the Lord. And so when the nation stopped, testimony they come and worship and be converted in the new testament jesus christ when he came he flipped that upside down and he still wants us to live righteously and holy how many know that yeah that's not changed but he but now instead of being centripetal centripetal means the force that exerts things this way we're now called to be centrifugal how many know what centrifugal is that means the force that pushes out We're getting ready to build, and it's not just build so you all come, but build build so that we can go and we can bring in the harvest that Jesus Christ has. Centrifugal. But accept responsibility to be the church, a church without walls. It means three things, and these aren't in your notes, but they're good and you can take them down. Number one, accept the responsibility to be missional. That means to share and to live the Gospel to be incarnational, to live like Jesus Christ outside of the walls of the church. We all are. Uh, we all know what it means, particularly if you have kids and they're acting up and my goodness, by the time you get them fed and you get them clothed and you get them in the van or the SUV or whatever, you get them to church and they're squabbling and they're carrying on and you walk in and you just you know, you want to do things to them you shouldn't even think about doing and you walk into church and you're just smiling like this. Like, how you, how you doing? I'm great, Pastor Paul. You know, God bless you. i doing great. I understand that whole deal. In fact, I'd rather truthfully you be like that than it was terrible. I'd, yeah. Um, but be incarnational and live like Christ outside of the church in our neighborhood. And then be Attractional. Attractional, that our lifestyle attracts people to Jesus Christ. That touches how we conduct business and who we are. The third thing I want to share with you is to seek the welfare of the city. Verse 7 says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord. And on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. Love the city, pray for the city. Church, we are called to be neighbors and not just consumers in the city where we live and work and play and the schools that we go to. What are the concerns of your city, your neighborhood, your workplace, your school? What does God call us to do? He calls us to... Be a blessing and part of the solution and not the problem. We got a call from one of the one of the men, male teachers, I believe it was in middle school. He said, I basically thank you so much. Thank you so much that you gave us these bags and for the quality that was in these bags. How many really think God likes quality? You're going to give something to somebody in Jesus' name. And by the way, when you go to the restaurant, don't sign the Visa card slip, God love you and not leave a good tip. God created the cities. Not for selfishness, but for places to serve. We are called to be neighbors in the city, not consumers in the city. Is there an amen? At least from the waitstaff, the people that are here. But action outreach from the church has gone faithfully once a month into neighborhoods, knocking on doors... How can we? Hi, I'm 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 so and so from Grace Assembly of God. Can we pray for you? How can I pray for you? How can we help you? Yeah, are there doors? Do they always get the the warmest of receptions? No. This is Bel Air. This is Harford County. But the people live behind those doors who bear the image of God. And need a church to be the ambassador of Jesus Christ. And many say yes. Would you pray for me? And some say yes. You can help me. And just recently, it was a oh my goodness. Darren sent me this thing, and it was a a widow in her nineties, if I recall right, and her her husband had died of was that the one of so many years. 71st anniversary behind a closed door and her husband dies. And there's a woman in her 90s and she said, well, I, I could use some help trimming the hedges. And they trim the hedges. They trim the hedges. In Jesus' name. And knowing them, they did a really good job. Or how about knitted together? Meets in our home, 508 Plum Tree. Quiet, settled neighborhood where we downsized five or six years ago. There's older people live around now. There's more, getting to be more and more younger couples with kids on the school bus. Praise God. That's wonderful starting to feel normal but these women have met I don't know how many years and they knit prayer shawls every Friday morning and little booties and they and caps for the for the little babies in neonatal into Chesapeake and they started giving prayer shawls to the Kaufman Cancer Center and Bonnie Denton who's the leader of this had communication from the Cancer Center said the patients are asking for more prayer shawls and we want you to put make sure you put your name on it and your tag because we have something some note that we're praying for you oh goodness man thank you women for knitting and crocheting it brings glory to the name of Jesus. And they'll probably even take some men if, they, if men, if you guys want to go. I know 50 of you signed up for the men versus food, but uh, maybe they can teach you all some crocheting tips too. Become a blessing and part of the solution and not the problem. Enter the enter into the normal life of the city contribute to it build houses and live in them enjoy it and look for new ways outside of the box to find life outside the box of some things maybe that we have we have been taught we grew up in church and most of it's good but there's some things i'm telling you we taught we grew up that the world was the enemy and how in the world can you witness to someone who's your enemy So we were caught in this tension. So as kids, we knew we were to witness it. Somehow, someone had this bright idea not to go to Tipper's a Go Go Club on a Friday night. How many remember Go Go Boots? Anyone remember Go Go Boots? Yeah, they're white boots up to here, and they had mini dresses and white boots. And here's, here's us. Here we are, these kids from the youth group at our local church. First of all, we weren't allowed to dance back in those days, which by the way, you shouldn't be dancing in that nightclub atmosphere anyway, even if you're liberated or not. I'm just telling you the way it is. No good comes where alcohol, drugs, and the wrong kind of music are played And you're dancing with someone other than your wife. Is there an amen in the house? No good comes from that. That's not why they're assembled. And so they're, man, I'm getting so old I can't even do it, but they're kicking their legs. They're going like this. And so we go in with these tracks. We're going to witness these balls. You know, the lights are going, hey, you know. Like that. We'd hand them a track and then, like, run real quick. You know, it's like, it was crazy. It was crazy. Crazy. But we were taught the world was the enemy. What Jesus calls us to do is to love the city and the concerns of the city. And what I found was way, way far, far, far more more important and more, much more effective was I was part of a good local church and yeah we had the sign on Keystone Avenue that said Jesus saves and we were known as the Jesus saves church in that town but we were known as the Jesus saves church and but it wasn't in a bad way at all and people came to the Lord Jesus Christ through the witness and and uh we entered into the concerns of the city. We're not to build a life based on selfishness, but to use it to serve the city and others. In your notes, God uses a spiritual solution. That's intentional praying combined with a reality of the city solution, which is live in it, contribute to it, Go to school. That's where God calls you to go to school. Get an education or or whatever you're going to do. Be the very best you can do. If If you're working as an engineer in Aberdeen Proving Ground, you be the best engineer that you can be in your department. Don't go there as a consumer. Wherever else it is that you get paid and it's a good job, don't go there as a consumer. And then you can hardly wait till Friday to punch that time clock and get the H-E double hockey sticks out of there and hope we have an extra long weekend and so, it be so we can avoid the drudgery of going back to work on Monday morning. God's Word says when in the, you're in Babylon to live in the city and embrace the city and love the city and pray for the city. That's what God's plan is. So our voice won't be minimized. It won't be marginalized. For in its prosperity, you will find prosperity. The fourth thing I want to share with you is God has bigger plans for you than you can imagine. There's someone here. There's more than one person here that needs to hear this. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon Me and come and pray to Me and I will listen to you You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes. And I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. God has plans to give you a future and a hope, and that's the promise of God. I don't care what the enemy has stolen from you. Jesus Christ went to the cross to take back what the enemy stole. Pray and God will listen. Church, in the next few months, we're, uh, we're about to enter and embark on a, uh, it's, I think it's going to be a major life change for the church. We're going to add about 25% more floor space than what we have right now. But I'm convinced, I'm convinced that, that God wants us to expand our own hearts the same way that we're expanding the facilities. That means, that means some intentional praying. That means calling out to God for our cities. It means that we don't do things same old way that we did things just hoping people show up god says go out in the highways and byways and compel them to come in be concerned for the city and then seek him with your heart and he will be found by you this morning if you're here god wants you to know if you will seek him you'll find him god has a future for you and it's just saying "Me saying yes to god and it means saying lord i want to come home I want to come home to you. You're the one who made me. You're my heavenly father. I want to be part of your family. And church, for you and for me, I believe God has bigger plans for us than we can ever begin to imagine because we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. Praise his name. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Praise his name. Would you bow your head with me right now?